Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, everybody, it is Wednesday night, December 28th, 2022. We are ending 2022, flushing this dumpster fire of a year down the toilet. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am DJ, the man with the award-winning beard. Going to go around the room here and introduce this cast of characters we have on the show tonight, starting with from the Rob the Genius Podcast, the Minister of Truth, the Deacon of Data, the Father of Facts and Figures, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, and the man with the golden shovel, Mr. Rob. How was your Christmas, sir? Uh, actually, it was good, and the, the kids had fun. Uh, I got <clears throat> my son got some Transformers, and so then I did the thing which you're obligated to do if you are our age and you have a kid who's in the Transformers. Son, would you like to watch the Transformers movie from 1986? That is good parenting, sir. And he said yes, and we watched it. And awesome. What, what were his thoughts on that? Did he enjoy it? He enjoyed it. Now, now, now he's no, he's seen stuff like you know, um, some of that like you know, Dragon Ball and some of that stuff. So, like people getting killed didn't really like it, it didn't spook him the way it spooked us back then. He's, he's already see if he's watching like Dragon Ball, <laughs> even you know, Avengers and stuff like that. He's watching yeah. people get snapped out of existence. He's watching. Right. Getting so. decapitated, he's watching people getting punched through the chest. So yeah, I mean, so he's like, yeah, it's not like when, when we when we went in there, and we were just used to seeing you know them get shot and then you know get fixed by the end of the episode, and you know, but then going in the theater and seeing people like seeing the the robots like literally fade to black and then die, <laughs> I mean, it was just a traumatic experience. That was very traumatizing for a for a thirteen year old kid back in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Right. That Meanwhile, your your son's already lived through Spider Man, so he's just like, ah, whatever, Dad. Right. <laughs> and then, um, and then from there, uh, we well, uh, today we or yesterday, uh, we downloaded one of the Transformer video games for PS four. He's been playing that, so. Very nice. Are you old toys yet? Say again. Did you break out all your old toys yet? Oh well, they're all at my parents' house. He's he's played with those before when we when we've been over there, so he's familiar with all of those. I wish I still had all mine, man. I had the entire, I had all the Constructicons. I had Devastator. It was God. I kicked myself in the butt every day for losing all that stuff. And um, <clears throat> so no, he's he's really he's really in debt now. So I'm I'm glad you know he's digging that. And so Christmas was pretty cool. And as for me, um, did I get, well, I, I bought some stuff for myself, but most of it hasn't gotten here yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, now I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on my uh, U2 Funko Pop collect, you know, set that I ordered and it hasn't gotten here yet. Uh, so I feel like you ordered that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, so I'm, I mean, it was one of those, like, store exclusive things, so who knows, it's trapped in probably <laughs> mail delivery hell somewhere. And, probably. I, I would check the <clears throat> Because sometimes I find myself pre-ordering Funko Pops and not realizing it. 
And like, I'm like, wait, where is that thing? I'm like, oh, released in March. All right, I'll see that in three months. <laughs> I should have it in time for Fourth of July. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. And hailing from the purple haze in cloud nine, Bucky's tag team partner, a man destined to go through a barbershop window, and because we're not out of the woods yet, a retail worker. Jason, how was your Christmas, sir? It was good. It was everything I wanted it to be. We saw all the family, uh, as much family as we could. Um, you know, it was it was it was good. We got, yeah. got some stuff. you know, we had some personal stuff thrown our way. You know, not uh, not all the the parents are in the best of health, but everybody's on the mend and on the upper on the upswing. <laughs> it looks like so. Oh, she's being a dick. All right, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we're we're on the upswing of that. Um, so. It was a stressful but ultimately good holiday. Excellent, excellent, good to hear. And everybody survived the uh, the Great American Freeze. Oh yeah. man, it was it was bad. Well, we didn't get snow, but it was cold. Yeah, you guys had single digits there, didn't you, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, my my aunts live in Kentucky, and I texted her Saturday morning. It was zero degrees. With a feels like minus four, and in Florida we got downright cold. It got down to twenty nine here for the low on Saturday morning, which is pretty darn cold for us. The um, <clears throat> we Tina and I camped out in it because we're a couple of lunatics. Um, we set up a camp, like our tent on our parents' property, and camped out in it. And we got a little bit of sleet, which is as close to snow as you're going to get in our part of Florida. So we thought that was pretty cool. Um, kids had a good Christmas. They enjoyed their gifts. I did splurge on myself a little bit. I got a larger than I anticipated Christmas bonus from my office. So when you get a, a good Christmas bonus and you want to spend money on something frivolous, I got myself a bat signal. Awesome. Um, we happened to be in um, Barnes and Noble, or Barnes and Noble, one of the bookstores, and they have like a huge section where it's nothing but like little toys and graphic novels and and shit like that. And there was like a whole section of stuff. And I come across this bat signal and it's like, this thing is heavy. This is like metal. This is like a solid metal, you know, working bat signal. So I just, I looked at Tina. I'm like, I'm really trying to talk myself out of buying this. She's like, well, if you drag me over here to look at it, it means you obviously want it. I'm like, I do want it and I'm buying it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm the proud owner of an actual bat signal now, which is pretty badass. So, but yeah, all in all, man, good Christmas this year. Had a blast with the kids. Had a good time with Tina's family. Had some good food. Had some good drinks and laughs. And for a change here in Florida, the weather felt actually seasonal. Uh, for those of you that, that have really suffered from a lot of the cold, I know, Jason, you lost power for about 24 hours. Yeah, we lost power for about 24 hours. We lost it the day before Christmas Eve, you know, and that really threw what? Yeah, we lost. Excuse me, we lost it on Christmas Eve Eve, um, otherwise known as Festivus to some to those who practice. Um, but yeah, we lost it, and that was the day that we were going to make all the dough to make all our cinnamon rolls that I talked about last week. So that really threw our plans into a uh, into a tailspin. So I came home from work on Christmas Eve. The power had come on about three out like twelve minutes before we had walked in the door. Oh wow! And uh we started our project and the list did get a little you know trimmed unfortunately for some folks who live really really far away we, we gave them a rain trick but we actually did get um almost 100 rolls done um and delivered 
all throughout Christmas Eve and or actually just Christmas Day. Made and delivered all through Christmas Day. So that's pretty impressive, buddy. So, that's really good stuff. Yeah. So my mom was smiling down on us and sent us a little Christmas miracle and got us some power. So awesome. Right. Good. Good for you guys. Good for you. So, and Rob, you never lost power, right? I uh, know we didn't. Okay. Good. Uh, good. Yeah. Well, because well, no, we didn't have that that type of weather issue here. Um. It's just it was just it was cold. Like for a few days, it was it was just super cold. Like, don't leave the house cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't leave the house unless you absolutely have to. The yeah. problem up here was the was the wind, and I know everybody says like, yeah, the cold, the cold is fine, but then it's the wind that gets you. No, I'm talking like we had gale force winds, and that's what caused the power, all the power out of just. <laughs> Yikes! That's crazy. Oof. That's that's like crazy yeah. to me because yeah. we're we're used to hurricanes <clears throat> down here in Florida, and when the power goes, it sucks. So I don't always think about those types of winds up in the Northeast. And right. then, you know, when you think about it, this is almost like a, like a backwards hurricane is pretty much what we had. Well, well, yeah. And the, the, you know, everything's made well, the power lines are all sturdy and whatnot. And everything's great until a branch falls on them. And, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. so we're in Massachusetts with Massachusetts, which is about as didacious as you can get. So. <laughs> Now, Rob, do you have above ground or below ground uh, power lines? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, well, because all right, I, I think they're below ground mostly. Okay. Now, are you now the first place I lived after I moved out of my parents' house? They were <clears> above ground, and man, power just went out because you know the, the wind was blowing kind of strong. But it doesn't do that here. Um, so I think it's they're below ground because if power goes out here, there's usually like some shit happened. Yeah. Not just because the wind was blowing. <clears throat> All right. Well, we didn't come here tonight to talk to you about power outages and cinnamon rolls, although we could probably talk about that all night long. This is a wrestling podcast. This is the end of the year. We thought it'd be prudent to do our end of the year awards. So welcome to the Mindless Wrestling Awards segment of this show. Uh, I'm going to turn this show over to Mr. Rob and let him break down the categories, as well as we're going to talk about WWE's top 10 matches of the year give our thoughts on that and see how it compared to our match of the year candidates uh here on the podcast so rob the floor is yours all right so uh we have our categories are we have match of the year wrestler of the year rookie of the year and the attaboy kind of pleasant surprise of the year and uh, i got everything right that's all of them, isn't it? uh yes. yes that was everything Okay, okay. <laughs> so, starting off, uh, the one that we've had the, the most difficult time figuring out is Rookie of the Year, because there are people who, like I think last year I picked Braun Breaker, and I forgot that I picked him last year because I was going to pick him this year because he this was like his first full year on the roster. But since I picked him last year, we, you know, it can't be Rookie of the Year two years in a row, obviously. Although, like, Marcus Bagwell was at in WCW, I think. <laughs> and, and he'd been wrestling for a couple of years at that point, yeah. hadn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, um, so rookie of the year. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Jason's suggestion and go with Roxanne Perez, even though, no, she is not a literal rookie. She has wrestled, been wrestling for a bit, and she wrestled in Ring of Honor of all places. So, obviously, if you, if you can make it in Ring of Honor and become the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, no, you're you're not a rookie, but this was her first time working for 
a live weekly national wrestling promotion, Ring of Honor, taped, you know, several episodes at a time. And <clears throat> you would not see people for two or three weeks a lot of times. I was going to say, they're sporadic as hell. Yeah. So it was, and particularly their women's division. Yeah. So this was an entirely different animal for her. Yeah. And she came in like just gangbusters. And I mean, that, that was a minimal adjustment, really. I mean, uh, she, she really has made herself comfortable on NXT television. Yeah. I mean, really fast. I mean, I don't think there was any point where you were like, okay, yeah, she's new with this. Uh, that just didn't, you know, there wasn't any of that going on. Which is crazy because like, I'll tell you, and we can kind of share the wheel on this. Sorry to steal your thunder, Rob, but she's also my rookie of the year because she, like Rob said, she doesn't work regularly. She hadn't worked regularly on television. Yes, her matches are all good. We know she's a good wrestler. We've already known that. But was she a WWE superstar? We have no idea. And she's done all the TV stuff and made me made me believe in her character. Yeah, and is she going to win an Emmy? No, none of them are. But she's made it believable and she's made it stick. And then that her ring work just backs everything up. So sorry, Rob, to jump in, but oh yeah. no problem. Yeah, I mean I agree and uh, exactly because look, I'm honestly. Um, couldn't I mean I, I couldn't really think of anybody else because I mean virtually like most of NXT 2.0 are rookies now and but most of them you know they I mean there, there are a lot of them who are doing very well in this kind of controlled three to five minute match kind of environment but for me I mean. I mean, Roxanne was already above that from the moment she got there. And <clears throat> so I can't, you know, if so, so for me, she's rookie of the year because she was as new to nationally televised wrestling as all the new kids at the PC. And she's already better than all of them. And the ones that the P- and the, the new kids in NXT 2.0 who are doing well, they're mostly sticking to that three to five match kind of controlled space. So we haven't really seen them work very many matches that have gone longer than that. Uh, we've seen her do that. And, you know, she let off the, um, the, 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 what's that thing called? The, um, not gauntlet, the, the, the thing that they the, did. I, the the Iron Survivor match. Yeah. So she, she let that off and went 25 minutes. Right. I mean, so yeah, that takes it for me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, for me again, I'm probably not an actual rookie to the ring work, but to me, a rookie for TV and, you know, just a rookie to me because it's my first time being introduced introduced to this girl, Zoe Stark. And I know I'm going to catch some heat for that because I know she's she's a bit of a ring veteran. But for me, again, going on the... the I, I had to break this up one of two ways. I'm like, are we actual rookies or is this more of a breakout new star to me? Uh, you know, Zoe Stark spent probably part of the year with a bad knee injury. She didn't come back until mid-year. She was reintroduced back to me on an NXT house show that I went to back in, it was either August or September. It was one of her first matches back after her knee injury. And I'm looking at her and I'm looking at the whole package and she's got it. Like she's, they could easily graduate her to the main roster tomorrow and she could hang with any one of the girls up there undeniably. 
So to me, and, and I, I really was at odds because there were a couple other people I had on this list. One of them was Wesley, but I had to be fair. Wesley, um, while this was his first big run as a singles competitor, Wesley's been around a bit. He was a tag team champion over an impact tag team champion in NXT. So I kind of disqualified him as a, as a rookie. Same thing with Carmelo Hayes. I was really looking at maybe Car- Carmelo Hayes being my rookie of the year, but I can't really call Carmelo a, a rookie, even though this was a breakout year for him. And that's why I settled on Zoe Stark. I think she's just got, there's an it factor to this girl. I think she's shown tremendous growth, especially for somebody who was injured for the better part of the year to come back and seemingly not miss a beat, be on TV regularly, be effective regularly. Yeah, I'm all in on Zoe Stark, and that's my rookie of the year. The rookie of the year thing is tough because, you know, we're mainly WWE NXT directors. <clears throat> and just right. wrestling in general, when are you really a rookie? Because, okay, yeah, Roxy didn't work, is my, or Roxanne Perez isn't my, it was my rookie of the year. Yes, is she a wrestling rookie? No, she. Ha- but she hasn't worked on TV. So there's advantages and disadvantages. Uh, last year we had, uh, some of us had uh, Braun Breaker as our rookie of the year. Had, he's only worked, you know, 30 matches at that point. But he grew up as a Steiner. So he has a leg up at things. So rookie right. year in wrestling is just kind of like mercury, me, mercurial. Yeah, I I would say honorable mention went to Lash Legend and Nikita Lyons. Um, Simply because when I look five years down the road, provided they both stay healthy, provided they both continue to grow, I see big things from both of those women in five years. I could absolutely, I could definitely see that. One of them is going to be success. Absolutely. Statistically, I'm not trying to shit on the other one. Right. Yeah, how that business is. Yeah, I mean, it's Peyton Manning and Ryan Lee, basically. I mean, you know, pretty much. If, if, pretty you, much. Get, if you get both of them, great, but you hope you get one. Absolutely. Yep. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So All what's right. next? All right. What's next, so, Rob? Okay, that's Rookie of the Year. And so we had Match of the Year. Now, we have a long list of WWE matches to comb through there. Right. Um, but maybe should we do Wrestler of the Year first? I was going to say, let's do... Because we have the SI list for Match of the Year. For rest, they have, Well, they have their own top ten for Wrestler of the Year, SI does. Okay. Because um, we yeah. were going to go over... One of those lists, the, either their match of the year or their wrestler of the year. Which I think we were going to go over match of the year. I really don't care for because if it's the list that I saw, there were a couple names on there that were rather, rather egregious. Um, if we're looking at work rate, I understand why a couple of those people were on the list. But if we're looking at the total package, I could easily probably jettison two guys off that list. You, yeah, you I, know, can't. I, know, I know which two you're talking no, about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it first. You can't take Dax and Cash can't take two spots. No, right? <laughs> right. No, FTR cannot no. take up two spots on this list. 
Hey, you can take one spot. I would. I will give you a million miles of rope if you give one spot for wrestler of the year to Dax Harwood slash Cash Wheeler. The whole shebang. It's wrestling. Fine. I'll even give you that. No, you don't take two spots for both of those dudes. Get out of here. Yeah. So, uh, aside from from my guy was on the list. Fuck that list. (laughs) Just just to go through it quickly. Um, and there were some names here. I mean, all right, number 10, uh, Masha Slamovich. Uh, she's good. She's an impact right now. Um, top 10. Um, no. uh, we're talking in the world between AEW, WWE, impact ring. Of, <laughs> well, ring of honor as it was and new Japan. Top, she's top 10. No, stop it. Stop uh, it. Not that, trying to disrespect the girl. Cause she has, and I've said it on this show before. I will say it again. One of the greatest names in wrestling, period. Yes, Masha Slamovich. Masha yes. Slamovich. That's, a, that's an amazing gimmick. That's that. That's a top ten gimmick. hundred <laughs> percent top ten gimmick. I will fight that battle all day long. Yeah, and um, look, she had some, and I watched a couple of her matches with, she had with Jordan Grace. They were really good, and she's very yeah. good. But top exactly. ten, uh, no. Be stretching it. Yeah. All right. Eight and nine are Dax and Cash. No. Like, like just like look you. I don't think that no, Rick and Scott never made a list. Pull, pull the ripcord and jettison those two off of there. <laughs> um, well, because I mean, they, I mean, they both got you know rave reviews for these singles matches they were having this year, um, which okay, fine, but I mean, but, I'm but, sorry. But, yes, from a work rate standpoint, that. okay, we can have that discussion. But this is an entertainment. Sorry, kids. Hate to hate to hate to burst that little bubble. Your real wrestling is entertainment. Yeah. Like I said, if you if you want to, I will defend your right in the wacky world of wrestling to use one spot on two dudes. To use two spots on two dudes that are in a tag team is just insane. Not to mention that their most highly re- you know reviewed matches of the year were were tag team matches with the Briscoes. Yep. And from what I saw, they were slugfests. You know, I saw some clips from the last one at the the last Ring of Honor Premium Live Event pay-per-view. Double dog collar match. Where <laughs> yeah, it was it was freaking brutal, and and it was good from what I saw of it. Yeah, but yeah. top ten wrestlers uh, but, in I the mean, world. If if your if your best matches of the year were were tag team matches, then you shouldn't both get two spots as singles wrestlers in a top ten. Absolutely agree. Um. I- Again, I'll give them the caveat that they had some amazing tag team matches, and then they both surprisingly and suddenly had some really good singles forays. If you want to give them the number 10 spot as a unit, as just kind of an attaboy, I wouldn't do it, but okay, sure. All right, let's move on from FDR. All right, um, number seven, El Hio Del Vikingo, and I butchered that, and I have, and I, again, I can't, I can't comment on AAA or CMLL guys because I don't watch it. I've heard amazing things, have not seen, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lay a judgment either way. Sam can't say can't say anything. So number eight. Uh that's the last number seven. Number six, Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter's really good. I just watched the match she had last week on uh, Dynamite. She's the AEW women's champion now. She is really good. Um I do think though that she's getting overcooked a little bit here because 
people are so happy to have somebody like her in AEW. <laughs> okay. that, that also maybe a case, it may be an award for her improvement because holy crap, that girl has taken several rungs up the ladder in terms of just her ring work. Oh, she's not, and see, I I didn't see I didn't see the bad days with her. I've just yeah. seen her more recently. So, and right now she's she's really good. Um, yes, very very good. And she was she she had some Bambi legs when I first started watching her. So, okay. but number six, um, yeah, right. I don't know about that. Um, um, five is our favorite guy, Will Ospreay. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Unfortunately, this dude is going to make any top 10 list out there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Number four. Four is Roman Reigns. Um, Two. I. Okay. I, I, you know, um, him not being number I, one I, is fine. Him being number four, I think, is a joke. Uh, I'd like to know what criteria they used in compiling this list. If you have it, I don't really want to know it. Like I mean, they, right now, we don't have to spend time on the podcast yeah, I mean, compiling that criteria. But I'm, I'd be interested in knowing what criteria they used for determining determining this list. Well, I think it's as heavy on a work rate. A I was going to say rate. work rate work rate's going to be part of it. And yeah. in that case, I'll I kind of give them that. Although I might argue about the order of the next three gentlemen. Nineteen ninety seven work rate nerd Deej might have agreed with this list. Oh. Well, no, in this case, like, because now some of this is not his fault, right? He had to work, I mean, he had to match Goldberg, right? So, yeah, that's not going to be a work rate extravaganza. Um, he and Brock don't have work rate matches. Um, even though I'm look, I bet they, they could have a really good work rate match if they wanted to, but, but that's not ma- what, look, that's not what you paid to see. Their mania match, in. their mania match for their standard wasn't, I don't know. And but you're, look when you Roman and Brock, you're not paying to see them have a work rate. No, and they're not paying Rock, well, Brock to do standing switches and reversals, and you know hammer locks and overhead wrist locks, and they're not right. paying for that. Right. I, I just think it makes sense in the, this in this year. It kind of does make sense for him to drop a little bit. Yeah, and All right. like, and look with Brock. Look, you're not. Unless you have Kurt Angle there who can do a work rate match with him on a high level in a main event type of match, you're not going to have Brock do a work rate match. So no. Right. Um, well, and again, even for the the type of matches that Roman and Brock deliver, SummerSlam was entirely different, and right. WrestleMania wasn't. It of their matches, it's on the lower half. And look, their best match was 31, where they just beat the shit out of each other. So yep. Why why would you tell them to go they, to a work rate match? Their best match was 31. Their yeah. be- the best match was SummerSlam 20-whatever that was with Braun and the cash-in. That was the best match okay. in terms of a sports, sports entertainment spectacle. All right. Three is uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's what, what I meant. I'll argue with you about the order of the next three people, but... Yeah, and... Um, Two is John Moxley. Uh... I admittedly do not watch okay. AEW, but a lot of people that I follow say that Mox has had a good year. Never um, had a match, came back from rehab to win the title, 
came back from rehab, came back from vacation again to save the company when Phil, when Phil fucked up. Came back again from vacation again, like that third time when he went. I, I will say he's done a great job of fumbling Phil's football, or picking up Phil's fumbled football, I should say. Yeah, right. like if if you want to, I guess the fact that he has been the sa- the literal savior. Of the of company, AEW. I literally think. has put AEW on his back several times this week at the cost of. By the way, he took a trip to rehab in the middle of this. Yeah, like of oh, his yeah. own position where he was just like, "Hey, I'm out of control. I need to get under control." So could, could I could I make an argument for him being number two? I could probably. I cannot make any argument against him being in the top five. Oh no, not exactly. None whatsoever. I was to say I would put him number three. That is my that's my kind of slight deviation. Yeah. Okay. And uh, number one is Seth Rollins. Yes. And I and I agree not because argue. well, because look, Seth has worked. If he hasn't worked the most matches, he's like number two or number right. three, and so he works on TV more than half the year. I think he's worked on TV. Um, he and. And honestly, if anyone's worked more matches than him, they're just literally an extra who's always in tag team matches and stuff like that. Because well, I think, right. I think maybe, maybe maybe the Usos have worked more overall dates yeah. than Seth Rollins, but he has definitely been the workhorse of that company this year. Yeah, and it's it's, it's not. And then I mean, it was him and Riddle neck and neck, but then of course Riddle um, has not been around for yeah. Riddle screwed his own pooch there. Yeah, but. I mean, so it's been him, um, and then some. I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's been him because again, he's he's got the most matches, you know, year start to finish. He and Cody thing, he care he, you know, he. That's the thing. Did, they trusted him literally with the biggest thing they did this year. That they trusted then, him with that for three solid months. Yeah, right. And then, um, I think he's the um, other than. <laughs> the He's only dude, they, the only dude they trusted more was Brock Lesnar, and he was operating farm equipment. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and also, I mean, Seth main evented a couple of pay per views with you know, with despite like not being a champion at the time. Um, he's main evented a bunch of house shows, not holding any belt at the time. Um, so for them to do that, you know, and is also a big deal. doing all this stuff. Due respect to Sheamus, but he was putting out banger after banger. After banger. Yeah, yeah. After banger. And, and you know, and um, so him being number one makes perfect sense. I think, yeah, I think he he he's it this year. All right. Well, let's go around and do our personal wrestler of the year and see how it lines up with SI's list. Uh, Jason, you want to start? Yeah, I'm. I'm shocked this guy didn't get on. More people's lists and more things, but it's got to be Sami Zayn. Like, I'm sorry. The dude, much like Seth, you know, took the ball on Raw, Sammy, post-WrestleMania, took the ball, like, post-season finale of Raw, of WWE. Okay, new season. What do we do with Roman Reigns now? Sami Zayn took that ball and ran us all the way to... Friday, the day before New Year's Eve, where he's going to have a match with John Cena. 
how much cachet did Sami Zayn earn at WrestleMania in the eyes of the of management man when he took an absolutely ludicrous concept? Exactly, and, and yes. while fucking hit it out of the park. Yeah, seriously, and I buried the lead with him with the, M- the Knoxville stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like he started the year just absolutely hitting home runs, and he oh, yeah, the, the the conspiracy theories of Sami Zayn was incredible. Oh, it, it, yeah. like incredible. So like I'm uh, so where was he on the SI list? Not there at all. He wasn't on top ten at all, dude. You you messed up. You guys, yeah. you done stuff. You can you can easily boot one of the FTR. Yes. And slot Sami Zayn in get right in cash, front of the other one. Get cash out of here, because I know Dax actually did some real single stuff, and he and I watched one of those matches. It was very, very good. And, and I, from a work rate standpoint, Scott, the guy, the artist formerly known as Scott Dawson, has always been Dude, in my top work rate guys of the last five to five years or so. No like, argument. Being legitimate, he Scott Dawson was one of my favorite guys to just watch in the ring. Yeah, we're this show is not afraid to whack uh, FTR, the revival, whoever over the head with a little bit of a shovel. But that man can go. That man can work his ass off. You know, Dax can. Yep. All right, Rob, wrestle of the year. Okay, so I have have a three way tie. Oh, jeez. Come on. I'm the numbers guy. You know I'm (laughs) going to overdo it. Okay. (laughs) The numbers nerd. For those of you new to the podcast, Rob tends to overthink things. Yes, I overthink things, and I'm, I'm and I I am a literal I'm an actual mathematician. Okay, okay by I trade, do, I do math for a living. I have a degree in math, so of course, if there are numbers involved, I'm going to stretch it out as much as humanly possible. Okay, but yes, I have a three-way tie. Okay, so Seth Rollins for all the stuff we said. And I think you you have to consider Roman because just and for those who might be listening for the first time, I've been doing this thing where I've been like keeping tabs on traffic numbers and things of that nature all year. Um, Roman is the I mean, he's been champion all year. He's been in big matches all year, of course. Um, He's also really the only one. He's the only full time person who has just maintained a high level of interest in everything he does from, you know, no matter what, um, with everyone else there, it is some degree of conditional. Um, he's the only one that has, that is just selling everything, you know, everything he does. All right. Um, so I think you have to consider that just the same way. Look, you always had to consider Hulk Hogan for the rest of the year. Okay. Because yeah. you, you couldn't just dismiss, what he was doing, you know, for those years, he was the guy in WWE, no matter what you think of the work rate or whatever. Um, and then my third person is Sami Zayn for being the, the sports entertainment guy of the year, basically. Because, um, again, the Knoxville stuff, and he had to he had to, to carry a lot of that on TV because Knoxville couldn't, obviously couldn't be there every week. So, um, and... He, you know, he had to carry that. The match was outstanding. It was one of the best matches of the year in professional wrestling. If you watch this, if you watch this wacky TV show, um, <laughs> and like Jason said, you know, when you know with the bloodline story, look, those of us who are big Roman Reigns marks will watch this go on forever, no matter what they're doing. But 
it did for those people who were not big Roman Reigns marks like us. Um, there need something needed to happen to add a little something to the story, and he he did that. And it started out with him just being a rat, you know, like snitching on some of the other wrestlers to Roman, and then you know, and then it's gone all the way to him being you know about the you know being the honorary use, right? And so there's been this long um, evolution going on across the year. And he's played each part of it perfectly. Like when he was just a snitch, you know, snitching on people, that was great. And then, you know, now to become like a full-blown stooge and now to the point where he feels like he's a made man. And so we all know that, that something bad is about to happen soon. Yep. You know, Joe, Joe Pesci is about to get led, led down to the... <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, or right, or yeah, I'm gonna tweet that picture about the instant John Cena pins him on Friday. That yeah, either that or it's gonna be the 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 um, you know the the Darth Vader in the command center room <laughs> during Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> choking out the guy who lost the Millennium Falcon. Right? <laughs> it's, it's gonna be something like that. Hey, 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 show some respect to Admiral Ozzel. All right, he had a great mustache. Admiral Ozzel and Captain Nita, both of them. Captain Nita actually apologized. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. He still got choked out for his trouble. <laughs> um, you know. But um something like that is coming, but he's but he's played it, you know, perfectly all the way through. Um yeah, um and right. you couldn't ask for anything more. And I'm gonna take this time just for Ooh. a moment to once again take a shot at all of you people who wanted Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to leave the World Wrestling Federation and go have ladder wars on the Root Beer Show. Dumbest. <laughs> dumbest career advice those two could have taken would have been to leave WWE. One is arguably the most important character right now on SmackDown. And the other had an all-time, all-time, all-time WrestleMania moment. Well, they both did, but... yes. WrestleMania match with a, a legend, like the legend of legends for some folks. Yep. But yeah, they definitely needed to be going through eight tables on fire, you know, dressed up as luchadors or whatever. On so, AEW Dark. Yeah. Well, they, they would have been on Dynamite. They would have been on Dark. I mean, come on now. But eh, They probably would have put them on Dynamite. It's Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and it's just, you know, Tony Mark Khan we're talking well, about. It's also, yeah. it's also all friends wrestling. So, I mean, and they're actually friends with, like, the Bucks and everybody. So. All friends wrestling. No, well, they, they, obviously, those two staying with WWE was the smart move, the right move. And <laughs> you just both of them had incredible years, incredible WrestleMania moments. Um, my wrestler of the year, again, I... I had a tough, I had a tough, uh, tough decision to make, like like Rob did, because Sami Zayn was up there for all the reasons that we've discussed. The guy took a ridiculous concept at WrestleMania and hit it out of the park. He has evolved so much. Here's a guy who two to three years ago, as Jason just alluded to, the internet wrestling community was like, I don't see why Sami Zayn stays there. He should just leave and go to AEW. He should leave as soon as he's gone because people have slotted yeah. Sami Zayn into the main event for his entire WWE run. And to be fair, Sami Zayn now is a main event wrestler. Like I could believe Sami Zayn in any main event of any pay-per-view anywhere in the world on December 28th of 2022. I full wholeheartedly believe that that evolution 
came 363 days ago. You know, from the start of this year, all the way through what he did through WrestleMania, what he did up until last Friday night, Sami Zayn absolutely is my runner-up for Wrestle of the Year, my winner for Wrestle of the Year because sentimental favor for me, Seth Rollins. Uh, Seth has been incredible. Just they trusted him with the Cody Rhodes return. He delivered it and, and, and again, hit it out of the park. Has been incredible just with this whole persona that he's created. And, and has, he's done such a seamless face turn. Like, he went from this annoying son of a bitch that you wanted everybody to punch in the mouth to just seamlessly everybody singing along. Suddenly Seth Rollins is the guy, and suddenly Seth Rollins is over like Rover is a babyface again. And it took him, what, two to three years to get there because he fell apart during the Fiend feud a couple of years ago. And the entire internet wrestling community turned on him. So he's like, you know what, screw it, I'll turn heel. And he just created this entire ridiculous persona. And now here we are. He's put in, again, as we said, banger after banger. He's had great matches with Cody Rhodes, great matches with Austin Theory, great matches with Bobby Lashley, great matches with the combination of the two of them. For me, Seth Rollins has delivered on every level. And that's not to take anything away from Roman. Roman's importance is important. Um, and, and Roman's had some great, great wrestling matches this year. And but for me as a personal favorite, when I look at all the things that I look for in a pro wrestler, Seth Rollins made the number one spot for me. All right, so that's our wrestlers of the year. And so now, well, let's let's do the added boy of the year before we get to the match of the year because we got the big long list of matches and whatnot. So. Well, yeah, and the the genesis of this just to give the listeners a peek. Last year we did a, uh, I believe it was mostly in kayfabe, but kind of disappointment of the year, like, oh, that feud ended flatly or this. Um, I don't even remember what we did because, you know, I don't dwell on negativity. Um, but so this year we're just kind of turn that on its head and give it the attaboy of the year, whether it be a segment, whether it be a match, whether it be a um, something more significant than an honorable mention, but that should get its own category. Something that so. surprised us this year in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, you can put yeah. it that way. Okay. Rob, you want to go first? Yes. And this is ironic because <laughs> she, for the time being, for the moment, she is no longer in the business. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so a year ago, I, if you listen to the show, you know that a, a year ago, I would refer to Mandy Rose as a five minute wrestler. And that meant that when the five minute mark was coming, you better go home or else things were going to fall apart really quickly. And to be fair, you were mostly as cor- correct in that assessment. Yeah. In the early days. Yeah. Not wrong at all. Yep. Yeah. And then, I mean, like, so when she first got to NXT, um, not a whole lot had changed. And you, know, cause I mean, they were like, her matches were just gimmicked up to hell with interference and all type of stuff early on. And to cover for what basically what I said, um, and within a year's time, she stepped into her character, and whereas the way they'd been trying to do that character on the main roster, which is very generic and very just kind of bland, but she stepped all the way into it. She clearly put her own kind of spin or whatever into it. She she stepped into that character. She owned that character. She 
played that character, I think, the way that it was always hoped to go. Or, And then she legitimately got, she got better in the ring. And... Yeah, and look, we've said, look, she no, she's she's never going to be a thirty-minute Broadway type of wrestler, but she became somebody who could go ten to fifteen minutes legitimately in a match. And the stuff she does in the ring, we've talked before about people whose ring work doesn't look like it hurts at all. I mean, the stuff she does in the ring looks good. It looks legit. It looks like you know it actually would do some damage to somebody in a fight. Um, so she's gotten much better at that. It's and, crazy that the per- the person with the best V trigger in the business doesn't wrestle right now. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so, look, she completely changed my opinion of her within a year's time uh, because, you know, look, I was not big on her at all. Um, you know, and and, look, and it takes look, it takes a lot to. And so she completely changed her, changed my opinion of her to the point where I was not happy that, you, that she had to go. Right? I mean, um, because look, when people get released, sometimes we get upset. Sometimes we're just like, and hey, whatever. Um, had she gotten released a year ago, she would have been on the yeah, whatever list for me. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Now uh, she's on the, could we have maybe worked something out? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, and look, we know what's, look, what's going to happen is. Look, I mean that, that that money thing doesn't last forever. Obviously, no matter how much you're making right now, it's going to slow down at some point. She's not on TV, and then then it'll be time to say, okay, you know what? Okay, it's you know now it's time. I can shut it down now. And I mean, it sounds like they're going. You know, it sounds like that was really the only problem. So once she's not doing that anymore, you know, once that's run its course and she's not doing it anymore, then she'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> You know what they, you know what they say. Everyone bends the knee. Well, and, I mean, in her case, I mean, look, she didn't leave angry back. or anything. It's just, hey, I'm making too much money to stop doing this right now. Yeah, um, and that's fair, man. We supported that on this show. Yeah, and and look, and again, if you're not on TV, it eventually slows down, and what well, you know, by no fault of anybody's. Um, no, but by default, the two were linked <laughs> together. Well, yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's funny. We we <clears throat> went into all this as to you know why, who, who, why, how things yeah. went about when she got let go, um, and I just didn't even think of this. That you know, just now I'm thinking about just the presentation of her character, and I'm like, is that a little too close to the mark for WWE's liking? Um, just in well, terms of. In a, in a, they say the best on-screen characters are pretty much just yourself cranked up to 11. Right. But in this case, WWE is like, well, that cranked up to 11 is not exactly what we're going uh, for. 11 is okay. 12 and 13. Now nah, we're pushing it. We're pushing the envelope a little too far here, lady. Yeah. Um, but look, she'll anyway. be back. At, at, look, when, when, it's, when it makes business sense for her to come back, she'll be open to coming back. And they didn't have from there were no reports of there being any other problems other than that. So when she's ready to come back, I'm sure they'll take her back. So, um, but for me, that's who it was for me. Okay, Jason, you're up. Attaboy of the year um, goes to one Liv Morgan because Liv Morgan was one of those girls, one of those wrestlers that I just kind of always rooted for and was just like, oh, she's great. You know, little old Liv, she's wonderful. Um, you know, she's got lots of spunk 
Um, and she, you know, you could tell she enjoys what she does in all seriousness. Um, and you know, they had, she had her champion, her money in the bank, her championship run, her series with Rhonda. She won, she beat Rhonda a couple times, you know, and I will say, if you go back on this show, there are certain points during that run where we were less than kind. Uh, and I stand by it with some of the booking and some of the stuff that went on, um, I don't feel like they didn't do her any favors at points. But all in all, when you look back at the totality of it, Liv Morgan proved that she's ready to play with the big girls. She is ready. Like, anytime, again, I know Rob's making a face right now. No, he not... is. There it is. He, he, he's, got the, he's got the polish oh. out. Because also he's polishing up the shovel. I'm telling you she's ever going to have a 200-day reign as champion. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that she's going to have a 60-minute classic with Charlotte Flair. I am telling you that she's moved beyond winning a battle royal and losing a title shot. You know, in the the month of in January to February. You know, or February to January or whatever. But, like, she's moved beyond that class. And she, yes, she's not a champion, in my opinion. But at the same time, she's not not a champion. I don't know. She's found her she's found her level, and I'm very very happy that she's definitely raised raised that level from where she was at the beginning of the year. So, at a boy, Liv Morgan. I'm gonna jump right in on Jason's heels and agree with him. She was my pick for the at a at a girl right. moment. Um, you know, because she did again. We had a lot of thoughts and we said a lot of things on this podcast three to four months ago about the Liv Morgan championship run. Uh, I was happy to see it. And I think she has moments of brilliance. Um, There, there are still times when I'm like, I don't know, but all in all, I think, um, I think she's matured this year. I think she's matured and grown as a competitor, as a character. And I think her, I think she learned a lot from that championship run. And I think sometimes you need to get in that role because everybody wants the job. You know, everybody wants it. Anybody who gets in the business, they want the job. It's how do you feel after you've had the job and then you don't have the job anymore? Like I take my job and, you know, as, as perspective, I'm a supervisor where I'm at. My goal in my 24 years in the business has been to sit in that supervisor's chair. Now that I'm in it, I feel like I'm excelling at it. I'm doing a very good job. But if it suddenly ended tomorrow, there are aspects of this job that I can say, you know what, fuck that. It ain't for me. So, and you don't get that perspective until you sit in that chair, you know, and I think that's where Liv, Liv needed to be. She did. She aspire to be a champion. 1000%. Should it have been her goal? Absolutely. Now that she's been there and she's seen what it takes and she's seen the pressure that comes with it and, 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 and the, the actual responsibility that comes with it, now she can say, okay, do I want to be Liv Morgan champion again? Or am I fine being Liv Morgan? I'm on TV on a regular basis putting out pretty good matches, Liv Morgan. That's going to be the question moving forward. I think she's carved out a nice little niche for herself. She's found a nice lane to work in. And I'm digging this Extreme Rules Liv Morgan character she's doing. I know Rob has thoughts about we're putting people through tables, and, and it, 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 it irks that get-off-my-lawn fan that he is, because I'm that fan, too, and sometimes I have to I have to wring my hands. But when I 
when I remove that and I look at the character, I'm digging it. Like, I'm here for this. I did watch the match recently with her and Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez. And, or is she Rodriguez now? Which one is she? <laughs> Gonzalez or Rodriguez? She's Rodriguez now. Rodriguez. I'm forever going to call her Gonzalez because that was her NXT name and I'm latched to it. But she had a, a match with Raquel. I just, Liv's facial expression, she really sells um, what's being done to her. And I dig that little nuance in her. So, yeah, absolutely. My, my surprise of the year, Liv Morgan. One one last before Rob lights us up. One last thing about I'm her. not gonna light you up. <laughs> Chart her progress and her actual kayfabe character from the beginning of the year. From like, oh boy, happy to be here. Oh my god, I won money in the bank. Oh my god, I'm a SmackDown champion. Okay, I'm a serious champion. Okay, I'm fighting Ronda Rousey. Uh, okay, Ronda Rousey kicked my ass, and now I'm just frigging crazy because I got my ass kicked too much. Like, it's all perfectly believable and a perfectly. I just explained the whole arc, and it made sense to everybody. So, hey, good job, Liv. All right, Rob, do you want to whack us over the head with the shovel, or can we go no, on to the next thing? No, whack over the head with the shovel. <laughs> okay. my, look, my whole point has always been if somebody scores 15 points a game, don't say they scored 25. Okay. And that's fair. I don't think that, we were doing that. that. That's all. That's that. Honestly, that has always been my issue. Okay. Okay. If you know, and don't, you know, just don't do that. Okay. So, so lives a 200 hitter, not a 300. Wait, well, no, she's not, not 200. No, and there no. are some people putting her in the, oh, she did this. So put her up with, Becky and Bianca and, you know, Charlotte and everything on a regular basis. And she's just one of the gals now. No, that's, we're not quite there. Yeah. And that's, and that, that's, Let's look, that is, that is always, look, that has always been, that's my, that's it. That's been my only issue the whole time. Okay. Okay. It's, right. Okay. I've never ever <laughs> once, look, I'm not, look, cause there are people who, who go on Twitter and say that she's terrible. Okay. I she is definitely not terrible. Okay, I have never no. said she is terrible. And I will defend Liv Morgan to the death where that's concerned. Well, so, it sounds like Bob would too. I mean, come on, let's be. Look, I'm, I mean, look there. Look, okay. Um, okay, we love Billy Kay, but Billy Kay was terrible. Billy okay. Kay was terrible in the ring. She was a great character who was <laughs> okay. terrible in the ring. I mean, there's a Alice difference. Entertainer in the ring, not a great grappler. Right. Yeah. Um, so no, it's not that. It's just again, somebody scores fifteen. Then they should be a starting. They should start. They should be in the starting five. Yes. Um, but you don't hand them the MVP. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> and, and that's all. Okay. That's that's all. When because if you know if you start making if you start an MVP campaign for for that person, then yeah, I'm going to ask you to start pulling up box scores and show me where you know. Okay. Um, yeah. But and that's that, look. That's been my only issue. Okay. And right. that, that's it. It's not okay. And I know oh, you're a hater. Um, again, no, he's like, a realist. And you no, know, just also, and like I said at the very beginning, when you are holding one of the top titles, you, you are compared to people who have held that title. Yeah. Um, you're, you're that not is fair. And you're not compared to Dana Brooke anymore. You're not compared to Tamina anymore. Okay. And that's. I, that's I, and I think she's risen above that. Yep. Well, no, and look, look, I mean, yes, so yeah, she's better than, yes, she should not be compared to, but again, it's a different level of aspiration. Right. Um, 
Because look, I mean, it's no, it's no different than what what I've been told. You know what what I've been told and what I've told people at my job. Like, you know what? Um, you're not grade ten anymore. Now you're grade thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, when I went to college, you know, when I was in high school, I took algebra. I went to college. I took calculus. They didn't give me algebra homework in calculus class. Um, Fair assessment. Okay. Um, they didn't give me an algebra exam in calculus class. Uh, and to me, that's all it is. That's it. Okay. All right. So do we do we want to do return of the year? Because I think we're all going to be unanimous on this. I guess we could probably talk about that. Uh, Cody. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, hey, I the what? No, you mean the Cody Rhodes return of the year award so we can talk about Cody Rhodes return. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it because there's only one return this year that I think everybody – Everybody really acknowledges as the return of the year. You know, there were some other great honorable mentions. I mean, I think we, we need to throw Mox in there simply because I'm a we advocate for mental health on here. Anytime anybody has any type of problem and gets themselves healthy and gets back to work needs to be mentioned. But overall impact, it's Cody Rhodes. Yep. Yeah. It just I, I can't remember. There are moments that made me feel that way. I, I can count the, the way I felt when that when the the ten percent or the one percent in the back of your head that says it could just be Cena it could just be I don't know whoever wasn't there at the time could just be Cena could just be whoever yeah but it actually well, was the problem is this is WWE and it was Vince McMahon's book at the time and Vince McMahon was notorious mm-hmm. for overpromising and underdelivering sometimes. Right. And, and while all the all the uh, all the Easter eggs were in place for a Cody Rhodes return, it was not outside the realm of possibility for it to for be a disappointment, and it be like gold dust or some shit like or like yeah. I don't know, um, Damian Sandow, you know, right. and not 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 a knock on those guys, but it just we have to be realistic in in our in our WWE fandom here. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, I could, the moments that made me feel like that watching, you know, the underpants fighting show, I can count on maybe on one hand, you know, yeah. and it just shot right into that pantheon of moments right there. Well, to put it into perspective, there was a gentleman on this show, Mr. Robert, the genius, that mm. been the man, the very first appearance of the golden shovel. Was Robin on an epic, like six minute Cody Rhodes ain't shit rant before and his uh, exact words. Of Rob, Rob, I'm gonna paraphrase here. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Cody Rhodes is a before the bell all star, oh, but no. once the bell rings, he ain't shit. <laughs> Was more or less what Rob said. Oh, no. On this very <laughs> podcast, <laughs> not one week later, <laughs> Rob, that, that dude, our shoot bear, is crying, shoot tears, and Dusty, Dusty Rhodes' baby boy makes his entrance down to the ring at Wrestle by God Mania. <laughs> uh-huh. 
probably one of the greatest 180 degree turns in the history of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast was Rob going from Cody Rhodes ain't shit to I love Cody Rhodes in literally 72 hours. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Rob, at the time did you even did you even believe it was gonna be Cody or did you Oh yeah, oh, yeah, believe it, believe it was gonna be Cody and you were somehow still gonna feel that way? Because I mean I was just underwhelmed. I mean, by his you know, when, when he was there before. Like like the only time like the one match where I was really into where, where I thought he, he really really did something for me was when he and Gold Dust uh, went against Seth and Roman, and when they came out, they were dusty. I yeah, mean, and that look that had me, yeah, that had me worked up real good. Um, and that was basically, I mean, like ultimately ended up being Dusty's like last hurrah, basically. Yeah. Um, and for somebody who grew up a Dusty Rhodes fan, that was just a huge thing. Um, well, and and that's what I was getting to in defense of Rob. We grew up with Dusty. Like Dusty Rhodes was my first babyface. Um, even like I discovered Dusty before I discovered Hulk Hogan. So, mm. you know, a- anything, anybody that came from Dusty's loins was going to have to be held up to that standard. And while I've always thought that Dustin was a better overall worker than Cody up until WrestleMania this year, if you'd asked me prior to WrestleMania, which one was the better Rhodes kid, I would have told you Dustin before Cody all day long. But so in his initial WWE run, Cody had some great moments, but looking at where he came from, it felt like he fell short of Dusty's um, Dusty's um, specter, you know, because it was a specter of Dusty Rhodes looming all over everything. And when I compare him to Charlotte Flair, Charlotte has fired on all cylinders since day one. Like Charlotte has not missed. This is a child of Ric Flair. She came out. She felt important from day one. She delivered from day one. Everything about her felt important and felt like, okay, yeah, this is Ric Flair's kid, and she's got it. Cody, while he was Dusty's kid, it felt like there was something missing, and Cody had to go out and find it, and he had to leave the WWE structure to go find it. Like, he had to get out from underneath that, he had to get out from underneath Dusty Specter because Dusty, obviously, up until the point where he passed away, right before Cody left, he was obviously still lingering at NXT. He was a big influence on NXT, so that was always there. And he had to get out from underneath that, man. He had to go and, I, I won't say reinvent himself, although he kind of did with this American Nightmare character. It just, he needed something. So in, in Rob's defense, I, I get it. I get why you felt the way you felt because while Cody Rhodes did some good work in his first run with WWE, it wasn't the to the standard that you and I would hold being Dusty Rhodes fans. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, and then also, so when he was on the verge of coming back, it was the same thing where, don't tell me somebody who scored 15 points scored 25. Right. So I guess when I went on that rant, it wasn't so much, look, I didn't think he, look, I did not think he sucked, okay, he, even though I probably sounded that way. It's just, again, you know, it's just telling me that some guy, somebody who scored 15 points, and you're telling me they scored 25. Right. And I'm looking at the stat sheet, and I'm like, no, he got 15. Stop it. And okay. to be fair, Rob really wasn't a regular viewer of AEW during the Cody Rhodes run there. 
and honestly, and and for me, and he looking, he was doing indie riffic shit. Yeah. So there, so you're not going to get high points from me doing a bunch of indie riffic stuff anyway. Um, and it's just so again, you know, I saw a guy that scored. I looked at the box score. Box score says 15, and you told me he got 25. And yeah. I'm just looking at you like, no, he didn't stop it. And if you keep insisting that he got 25, then eventually I'm, I am going to get worked up and I'm gonna say, no, he didn't, motherfucker. There's 15 right here. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and excuse my language, right? Um, and look, but look, and that's how I get sometimes, folks. You know that here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, if you're not new to this show, you know how Rob gets. If you're new to the show, certain things get get Rob going, and 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 Cody Rhodes pre pre WWE return was a whole discussion. Again, just and put this on my tombstone. Don't tell me you got 25 if you only got to tell me you had 15. All right. Um, and that's, you know, period. And that, that's, I get that way with a lot of things. Okay. That's, but to be fair, Cody Rhodes is hitting 25 now, isn't he? Yes. And look, there's a quarterback for the Washington Commanders who people have been insisting has been scoring 25 points and he's been getting 10. All right. <laughs> and all right. And it's but, been a long football season for Mr. Rob. <laughs> No, look, you know, because you know, in in Washington, we have this very bad habit of, you know, people get people get we have we have a a more physically talented quarterback, and we have a less physically talented quarterback, and people in this town always like to rally behind the less physically talented quarterback because, you know, he he's got intangibles and he got and and all of that, and and really the the problem is that people in this town have a problem with, you know gifted talented quarterbacks here and because you know we have a history of winning with older kind of journeymen or kind of broken down quarterbacks i mean look we love doug williams but doug had two bum knees and was 30 something years old right and but we we love people like doug williams but and sometimes we go too far and we end up falling in love with taylor heineke (laughs) And, and Taylor Heineke is not Doug Williams. He's not Mark Rippon. He, he's not. He's Taylor Heineke. And, you know, and, um, but for some reason, we, we, we tend to, we tend to like Taylor Heineke here. And, you know, because, well, the last, the last really successful, really physically talented quarterback we had here was Joe Theismann. And he, and he had no problem letting you know that he was great. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people the wrong way. Okay. Um, a lot of people didn't like that. Okay. You know, um, you know, but he was right. <laughs> I mean, you know, and wow. you know, but anyway, it's enough. You know. Yeah. All right. Jason, you got any parting thoughts on Cody Rhodes return of the year? Undeniably. Jason, you're on mute. All right, so as soon as he basically joined the Bullet Club, really started the American Nightmare in earnest while he was on his, you know, sabbatical before AEW, his mm-hmm. little uh, indie tour. Like, as soon as that that gimmick started to form, I was like, oh, my God, this dude's going to be amazing in WWE. Like, the, the American Nightmare with the WWE panache is going to be just absolutely incredible. You know, and he, he took that, and and that was the most frustrating thing about AEW, is I was not, he, I did not come here to this company with your Bobo son of an NFL owner 
and these two jackasses from Japan, they're soon to be three. I didn't and I didn't come here for VP of operations, Cody, Cody Rhodes. I came here for the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. I want to watch the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes win some championships, get his ass kicked, win again, blah, blah, blah. And that was, aside from all the dirt sheet bullcrap, that was the most frustrating thing about, about AEW, is just how he kept booking himself. Yes, obviously you book yourself to put some rookies over and all that good stuff. But it was just like... It just became too much, and it just became so inside baseball, self-absorbed theater. Now he's back, and now he has no – well, I'm sure he has plenty of control, but he's not writing himself anymore. Somebody else can write a cool story for the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, and so far it's been incredible. And that return was absolutely amazing because they didn't change anything. It was the same – you know, the same – voice file that he used that uh all out the you know wrestling has more than one royal family um it was the same music you know it, it was just it was everything he wanted and again it was the same music the same everything with more pyro in one shot than than tk has ever spent in a year and floating you know american nightmare 3d holograms so it was literally the American Nightmare with WWE Panache. Wow. One of the all-time returns. To say nothing of what it meant for that guy leaving AEW. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the impact of the whole thing was important, but they made him feel important. And and again, going back to my wrestler of the year, Seth Rollins was the right guy to do this with. And this inevitably puts him on a trajectory with Roman Reigns. And this can tell the story that he wasn't allowed to tell by his own fault and his own admission that he wasn't allowed to tell in AEW. Because from day one, it, you're, you're, Cody Rhodes was doomed in AEW to begin with because obviously he's an EVP. He's one of the people that started this thing. So, of course, he's going to be world champ one day, right? You can pretty much pencil that shit in. Cody Rhodes is going to be world champ because he's the booker. He's the head guy. He's one of the guys in charge. He's an EVP. And yeah, you know what? God damn it. This is what bookers do. They book themselves to be world champ. Cody Rhodes, you can pencil it in. And then he booked himself into a match where if he lost, he could never again wrestle for the AEW World Championship. And all of a sudden you're like, well, okay, now what? Do you find some convoluted way to get him around that stipulation? But then again, you're back to square one with, of course he did. You know? Of course he wrote himself back into the title picture. So when you look at it realistically, Cody Rhodes was doomed there from day one. He was never going to win the AEW World Heavyweight Championship in a way that was going to be satisfying to most people, especially since most people knew he was one of the top guys there. Now, you fast forward a couple of years, he's back in WWE, and he's this guy who started this other company now he's back for the company that he originally worked so hard to compete against. You can absolutely tell a, an incredible generational story with Cody Rhodes eventually winning either the World Heavyweight or the Universal Championship. Whether he beats Roman Reigns or whoever he beats, there is an amazing generational story there to tell with Cody Rhodes. Yeah, well, no, uh, either the undisputed universal championship or the black belt, because um, you know that's the one he wants. 
Yep. That, that that's got the lineage. And I'm gonna be, I'm dude, I will cry shoot tears the day it happens. They got me. They got me roped in, they got me hooked. Oh, Rob will be a blubbering mess. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> look, look, we just get we, we just gotta get our We the One Thousands t shirts. That has yeah. to happen first. Okay. That's fine. That has to happen first. Okay. <laughs> but you know Cody can win in Philly. Oh man, if I'm there in Philly when Cody when like Cody beats Roman Reigns, that is funny for a million reasons. I, I am working my ass off to get to Philly for that one. I yeah. want to be in the building for WrestleMania in Philly. That is my goal. Right, is my goal for the next sixteen months is to get enough money stockpiled up to get Tina and I's asses up there for WrestleMania in Philly. Because, dude, if if undisputed champion Roman Reigns makes it past SummerSlam twenty twenty three, we're 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 all ahead full. You can pencil him and Cody Rhodes for for Philly. You could pencil in him and somebody for Ford, for Philly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All uh, right. So let's get into the money shot of the night, the match of the year. And Mr. Rob has, again, was this a Sports Illustrated list? Oh, this was, this was the WWE list. WWE list. Rob's going to go down the WWE list of the top their top ten matches of the year. And then we're all going to sign in and then chime in with our matches of the year at the end of this whole thing. Rob, take okay, the so- floor. All right, so first, uh, there are some honorable mentions. All right. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle. Uh, New Day versus the Usos on the November 11th episode of SmackDown. Uh, Finn Balor versus Edge in the I Quit match. Charlotte versus Ronda's I Quit match. The Alpha Academy versus Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins versus RK Bro for Monday Night Raw. And Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. I'm honestly shocked that Clash at the Castle is it a little bit higher. I could I could have seen that one sneaking in as number ten or something like that. Yeah. Now these now these lists we're saying this in the little pre-show thing. These lists are strategically crafted to make sure that you know everybody that they want mentioned gets a yeah. mention. Um, anyone they've written an article about, anyone they've you know. Right. Um, because, um, like, yeah, and so now going to the to the list, okay, number ten, and this is a prime example of that. Um, okay, Austin Theory. What's weird? Okay, so Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series for the United States title. Yep, that's a prime example because not good. I mean, I thought it was a good match, but they they wanted to get Austin Theory mentioned here. And yeah, personally, I think there were other examples. There was other matches you could have picked with Austin Theory that uh, I thought were better than that. But they wanted to. But look, you wanted they wanted to mention him, and they wanted to get get a mention for Bobby in there. And I thought Bobby performed great all year, but it's, but did I think just his matches. There were several that were very good, but I think at the same time he got bogged down with the almost stuff. For yeah, I was going to say that while he did a really good job of making almost feel and look important, I feel like those that that little two to three month period of time kind of bogged him down. Yeah, right. And then 
unfortunately, the, the the Brock match, which I thought was very good, got a you know he injured his shoulder in that match and had to basically you know take some time off. So that kind of just kind of got lost in the weeds, also. And to be fair, their follow up match was really good up until the finish. Right. So, but Bobby is somebody whose name you want mentioned. Right. So you got to pick. You know, you got to throw something in there for him. So they picked this one. Um, to me, that was not one of the 10 best matches of the year, though. <laughs> no. Um, number nine, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kevin Owens, WrestleMania. To me, same, same, same thing. I mean, I thought it was a really good match, and it was laid out perfectly so so that Austin did not have to do anything crazy and so that all the stuff he did do, you know, looked and made sense. Was it a top 10 great wrestling match of the year for me? Was it a top 10 sports entertaining moment of the match of the year? I would say yes. It would make my top 10. To be fair, it would. Yeah, it was yeah, for sports entertainment. Yeah, yes. And maybe maybe there's a bit of nostalgia creeping in on my on uh, my part. There totally is. It was Steve Austin, but it's yeah. Steve Austin. It was Steve Austin and he didn't look like ass. True. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, so look, right. So yeah, if I mean if you get Steve Austin to work a match and he actually does well, then you're gonna put it on your it goes in your top ten, buddy. Yeah. All right, uh, Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes in the War Games at Survivor Series. To me, this is another one. No, I would not. Top ten, no. I would. <laughs> I mean, for the like the, the last few minutes and for like the drama and all of that, okay. But I literally, again, I I did not take any pharmaceuticals, but I was zoned out until the last few minutes of that match. Um, to me, it just. Like nothing mattered until the last few minutes. You know? I don't know. The whole thing was great storytelling. Just to remind the audience, I was on my feet screaming because I was there. So that's, that's why, why Jason was live for that one. That's why it makes my top ten, my top ten, probably my top like one or two of the year. A quick question, yeah. Jason. You were there live. How did the crowd pop for the fifty beats? Oh, they were going nuts. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That was spot of the night for me. I, I was I was telling you guys that you know the bloodline were basically the baby faces according to the crowd, except in that moment the crowd was like, "Okay, sorry, we got to play along for this." So, oh yeah, wait a minute, we like Sheamus, remember? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Rob, keep going. All right, number seven, uh, Street Profits versus the Usos at Money in the Bank. Now, this is the first out of the ones on this list. This is the that's the first one where I would say yes. Uh, that that was a time. great freaking match. Yes. Yep. Uh, okay, number six, uh, Bailey and Bianca, the last woman standing match at Crown Jewel. Yes, that should be in the top ten. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. Um. Okay. Um. For. Of the year. I mean, it's. Um, I can't say it was my top ten of the year. It was a damn good. It was a damn fine match. That, yeah, that, not, no mistake. Yeah. But for the for the whole year, not my top yeah, ten. Yeah. Again, though, sports entertainment spectacle. I know. I got to remember what we're supposed to be watching here. But again, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of figuring in my own criteria and what I personally find enjoyable in a match. Right, and and it, I'm not saying that you know. It was that, so it should be on the top top list. But it's like, yes, 
there are all these different factors that go into it, and I think the spectacle part of it is one of them. Okay, that's fair. If I had to, if I had to take all twelve months and compile a list, it would be number twelve. Sure. Okay, number four, uh, Becky and Bianca from WrestleMania. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Full circle, like you know, perfect storytelling. Like, yeah, stop. It was the the perfect bookend to a a a, a story that divided fans. If we're being yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, and and there are there are reasons we said from the beginning was this is all about how you stick the landing. Yep. Yeah. And they did. Yes. And uh, number three. Brock versus Roman SummerSlam. Now I'm going to be a hypocrite because Jason has been going on about the sports entertainment stuff. And for me, all right, yes, this is top ten because for sports entertainment reasons, but but they went like above and beyond next level sports entertainment there. Well, um, and yeah, that's. I mean, for, that, like, <clears throat> like for I'll me, just tell everybody that was that was my match of the year. For so, me. Uh, if, if you're gonna, I guess for me, like if I'm gonna rate a match highly because of for sports entertainment reasons, I need it to be some next level shit. And this was like, yeah, this was some next level shit. Um, and it was the perfect final main event for Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I mean, yeah. basically, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, I think we all agreed on this podcast that yeah. while WrestleMania may be in his last two raw. SummerSlam and maybe to a certain degree Clash at the Castle were the last things with Vince McBrand's thumbprint on them. Yeah. Um, all right, number two, Sheamus and Gunther at Clash at the Castle. Uh, now, for me, just from a straight wrestling match, that is that is it for me. That's yes. Okay. Is that one? Uh, well, so. See, and again, I do the overthinking thing here um, because, yeah. oh, because I don't. Well, honestly, I don't really have one. I don't have a Mac. Well, now their number one is Cody and Seth at Hell in a Cell. Um, and I'm fine with anybody picking that because I think it's definitely worthy of the distinction. I guess I didn't really have one um, because, um, well, well, I never have one. But to be honest, I mean, I never <laughs> have one. Um, I mean, my match of the year was when, you know, the the baddest woman on the planet got put down at WrestleMania. I mean, but by a boot to the face. But look, but but by no (laughs) by no means would I even consider putting that Mm. in the top 10. I thought it was I thought it was a good match. Yes, but it was not. But that match was nowhere near any, any top 10 kind of thing. The finish was great to an okay match. Well, I mean, well, they they. You know, this and, is a time to mention my beautiful wife's uh, match of the year, which is at WrestleMania Backlash. Ronda Rousey. We don't need. Uh, we, don't, we don't need. To yeah, right. <laughs> we don't need to do that. Okay. No, we, don't, well, we don't need. We don't need to do that. Okay. Got to tell Charlotte Flair, Happy we, Mother's Day. Bitch. We, 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 right, we, we don't need to. We don't need to bring that up. Okay. Well, I I do. It was my wife's match of the year. So. Well. Yeah. Again, to be fair, we were in the building for that one. Oh yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. Oh. Something you know. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we do this? I think Jason's kind of already spoiled his match of the year. Yeah. 
So, Rob, what was your match of the year, bud? And I know you All said right. you had a grouping of them. That's why I'm going to let you go first. Okay. All you... right. Um, Sheamus and Gunther is one. Um, Brock and Roman at SummerSlam. If I had to pick, it'd probably be one of those two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, for me, I again, I kind of overthought it like Rob did. It was a, a almost a tie between Sheamus and Gunther clash at the castle and Seth and Cody Hell in the Cell. Um, Cody with the with the pectoral injury, just gutting it out. The story that they told in that, the this being the 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 culmination of this feud with him and Seth Rollins. The three of them, each match felt a little different, felt more important than the one before it. This one was was no question. This one, again, got honorable mention for me, only because Sheamus and Gunther, that's the kind of stuff I like. I like people who suspend my disbelief and make me feel like, okay, this is a real fight. And, and that's what Sheamus and Gunther did. And just the, the whole buildup where they're, they're teasing the 10 beats throughout the whole match. Just the, the whole storytelling was incredible. And I really like how Triple H has made the Intercontinental and the U.S. Championships feel important again. And I think that may have been part of it for me as to why this became such a, such a moment and such a match for me. Because I'm a, I'm a mid-card title guy. You know, I, I understand the importance of the Universal and the World Heavyweight Championship, no matter what promotion you're in. But I'm a mid-card. I've always been an IC Championship guy. And to see these guys go to absolute war over this Intercontinental Championship and make it feel so important to me and make it feel like it did to me 20 years ago, Gunther and Sheamus did that. Like, here's two guys ready to rip the hell out of each other for a mid-card title. And I can't help but pop for that. So for me, Sheamus and Gunther Clash at the Castle was match of the year. Another honorable mention, and I know I've talked to this one before, I have not seen their match from NXT last week. Axiom and Carmelo Hayes put on an absolute banger at an NXT house show that I went to several months ago. And, and when I say banger, this is, dude, We were there were literally... The Melbourne Auditorium sits, or the Melbourne Civic Center seats, being conservative, 200 to 250 people max. And these guys went out there and put on a premium live event match in front of 200, 250 people tops with a bunch of crazy spots, great work. That And I, I remember sitting next to my friend, my guy Eddie, the guy I went through the business with, and I looked at them when they first started, and I said, you know what? If one of these assholes pulls out a Japanese arm drag, I'm going to stand up and give them a standing ovation. <laughs> and goddamn halfway through, the, because nobody does the Japanese arm drag anymore. This is a lost move. And Rob, are you familiar with the Japanese arm drag? No, I'm not. Okay, so you whip your guy off the ropes, and you basically, you like hook him. And you like flip them. It's like straight over you. You just it's not like an arm drag where you hook them. Oh, no, I've, I've seen it before. I've you go straight back with the Japanese arm drag. Nobody does the Japanese arm drag anymore. And that was my move back in the day. I love the Japanese arm drag. And I looked at Eddie and I'm like, if one of these motherfuckers pulls off a Japanese arm drag, I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna give him a standing ovation and damn it halfway through it. And it was cool as shit because Carmelo Hayes hit Axiom with a Japanese arm drag and then just lightning fast, he spun it around into an arm bar. Because usually you take the arm, Japanese arm drag and they bump like they would for any arm drag and then you feed into the next thing. 
Carmelo turned it into a fucking armbar. So again, Eddie and I looked at each other and we stood up in the middle of this match and gave the both of them a standing ovation. Like we looked completely ridiculous. Everybody's looking at us, like, what the hell are these guys doing? I'm like, I know exactly what those guys just did. And so to me, those guys got honorable mention because, like I said, this was a house show in front of maybe tops 250 people. Because uh, on that note, um, I went to house show this year and Roman and Drew were the main event. And they put on a match at that house show that was every bit as good as the one they had on the, the Clash at the Castle show. Good. yeah, And you know what? A lot of people don't think is. Your average wrestling fan thinks, I'm going to be on Raw, I'm going to be on SmackDown, I'm going to be on NXT Live. Go to the house shows, pals. Yeah. Go to the house shows, because a lot of times they pull some shit off at the house shows that they don't do on live TV. And, um, because uh, speaking of which, because uh, there's a sidebar, well, one thing that's been in the news this week is that, uh, so uh, Jim Ross mentioned that there's a possibility that AEW might be starting to do some house shows next year. And he mentioned that um, that's one of the things that, you know, they got that Jeff Jarrett's going to be kind of ha- possibly handling. That's one of the reasons why they brought him in. That's a smart move. Yeah. Uh, Cause, and because right now, you know, you know, they got dynamite and they got rampage and then and a lot of times those are taped on the same night. And then, you know, they got the YouTube shows um, but a lot of their wrestlers are doing indie dates on weekends and it seemed, that's one of those things that when they were, the company was first formed, it seems like this really great idea. Like, Oh, you know, I, well, everybody, the people can just work wherever they want. Yay. They don't just have to work for AEW. Um, but you know, Tony has actually cracked down on a lot of that, but also, um, as we've seen over the three years, they got people. They got a good number of people who need to just get out there and work regularly. They and, need and, the reps, right? And they and not on outlaw mud shows, um, right? And look, no, and look, no, but they're not going to do a WWE house show schedule, obviously. Um, I but, don't think they can afford it. Well, no, they no, and they. I mean, but it, look, they, if they do like every Saturday, or yeah. even or just you know two Saturdays out of the month. Or something like that. I mean, I think that's and they're, and they're not going to run big buildings like WWE does. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna run your, you know, like the place they came here for Dynamite was like, you know, three four thousand people. They'll run those type of buildings probably. Right. Um, and hey, but, if you really, if you really want to well, run one of those like four hour Super Show live events, tape it and put it put what you can on YouTube for like Elevation Dark After Dark or something. Yeah. And, uh, but I think it's a good thing because they, they have, like you said, they got a lot of people there who need reps and, you know, they don't get enough of them on the YouTube shows and they don't get the kind of proper reps on, you know, when they go, if they're out there working the, you know, the, these, some of these indie shows and, and it's, it's unfair to call every, in, to, to say that every indie promotion is a mud show. Cause they're not, there are some good indie promotions out there, but as we've seen, some of these indie shows that these guys and gals are doing absolutely are, you know, <laughs> outlaw mud shows. Speaking of indie promotions, I got to promote our local guy, Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling. Um, he's getting a little bit of free press here. He's got a show coming up, and I don't know the exact date, so I'm a pretty horrible promoter as far as that goes. But he's got Eric Bischoff and Gerald Briscoe 
advertised as being on the show, and that's a big draw for goddamn Cocoa, Florida. Yeah, and that I mean that's and uh while we're at it, like the local indie here is uh doing something. I forgot when the date is Maryland Championship Wrestling, but I think they're uh one of their current big guys is uh, Action and Dreddy, who's been getting some action on Dynamite the last. Yeah, few he years. was on Dynamite what a week or so ago. Yeah, and beat Chris Jericho. Um, yeah. I got to be fair. You know, I have historically not been shy about the fact that I do not watch AEW. I don't care to watch AEW. There's a part of me that if they get on a road loop and they get within driving distance, I would consider going to an AEW house show. I think house shows are fun. I think it's worth the price of admission. It's obviously not as expensive as a as a live TV taping. And I think if it's, hell, even if it's 40 bucks to get in for a decent seat, I might consider going to an AEW house show. I'm not, well, look, I'm, like I said, we went to Dynamite. It was a good time. I mean, and uh, I think, look, I think it's an absolutely right move for them to do if they end up doing this. Uh, I think, now, I guess, at the same time, this also kind of is a kind of a come to reality moment here for, I think, for old uh, Tony Khan, uh, because it's better business and it's, quite frankly, safer to have your people working for you. Keep them in-house. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, rather than because, you know, doing the indie thing, is it's, you know, it's Wild Wild West out there. Um, yeah. Because if your AEW heavyweight champion, John Moxley, decides to go to Idaho and do a light tube, you know, glass door death match and gets himself injured, you've got a problem. Right. That will definitely not be on my match of the year list, which is what I believe we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, we, 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 this is what we do on the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Absolutely. The date, it's in the yeah. name, folks. It's yeah. in the name. Absolutely no yeah. thought goes into this. And at any given moment, we could wander right off the reservation. <laughs> well, yeah. luckily, I wandered into a thought and was like, all right, let's get back on track. Yeah. And Jason, who, Jason unironically pulls the show back into. <laughs> <laughs> back into right. its lane. All right. So anyway, can I give my match of the year a little more, bit more oh, shine? Um, please, please do. Sir. That's my fault. I, I, I thought we were done. That's my fault. I thought we were finished. I, All right. I'm sorry, man. I'm. I, so okay, we did we did matches of the year already. So you, um, DJ, you picked. You didn't pick Hell in a Cell. Where where no, was I that? I picked Gunther and Sheamus oh, from Clash of the Castle. Hell in a so there were two things that were on on my list. There were my honorable mentions. It was Cody and uh, Seth at Hell in a Cell because that was the best match. And obviously it was the most violent. And then you had the extra, extra of Cody's torn peck and that image of him taking off the coat, which is going to live forever. Now, luckily, uh, we came up with the category of return of the year. I don't even know if we had that last year, but if we did, great. Uh, if not, I'm thankful for it because my other match of the year, because as we've learned about me, I learned I lean into the whole spectacle thing. I had Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania simply because of the whole spectacle of his return. And then once the match started, the match was excellent. They it wasn't the best match, they, but, you know, they were going to go on a series. So I'm glad it wasn't the best match. Uh, but they hit all the notes that they were supposed to. Yeah, Seth kicked out of the crossroads a couple of times, whatever. Um, but it's it's WrestleMania. As I said at the time, he's got more finishers or more specials. So 
but the, the totality of the match was amazing. And then everything it meant for Cody coming back and God, Cody leaving AEW, uh, everything like that. Luckily, that floats into my return of the year category. So I'm going to put that over there. So match of the year, because I love the spectacle. It's got to go to, obviously, like I said, the SummerSlam match with the tractor. But every, not just the tractor and that whole spe- spectacle, but that match, it really did. I know Roman cut the, the whole promo about it being personal. This whole thing between Brock uh, and him is going to feel personal when he's done. He cut that before WrestleMania, but uh, it was definitely more apropos for their match at SummerSlam because that was the culmination of Bane and Batman just getting locked in somewhere. And it's just like, look, man, this only ends one way. One of us is leaving. Um, And they brought every bit of violence and vitriol and everything with that. And then they ended it absolutely perfectly. You know, well, they if, got the if, match at SummerSlam that I think they want. Not that the tractor spot was planned at WrestleMania, but obviously Roman injured himself at some point during the match and they called an audible. And <clears throat> excuse me, I and I've said that on this show before. I don't think those guys got what they wanted out of the WrestleMania match. I'm glad they got to revisit it at SummerSlam and finally end that whole thing on such a crescendo. Exactly. Like, such a high note. It was so amazing for those guys to just finally bury that thing the way that and, they did. Yeah. And honestly, it didn't even feel. Number one, the Heyman moment was incredible. Not just him, like getting put through the table, but what he did before. He, you know, sees Brock stalking over to Roman after Ro- Brock, like, you know, almost devours the Usos. You know, he's stalking over to Roman. Paul gets in front of Brock, says, you know, you stop, leave him alone. You know, I'm, you know, I love him. You know, you're just, you were just an employee of, you know, you know, you were my boss, blah, blah, blah. Here, take the titles. You don't want, I don't want them. Brock Lesnar, blah, blah, blah. He cuts that whole promo on him, gets put through the table. The Usos come over, super kick. And it doesn't even feel like Roman cheated by using the Usos. It just feels like, hey, listen, man, we both were going to empty every gun we have. Yeah. Um, it was just perfect. The whole yeah. thing was done perfectly. Uh, so, and it was capping off my favorite guy's biggest rival. So, obviously, it's going to be a little bit, ring a little bit harder for me. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the Mindless Wrestling Awards for 2022 as we round out this year that was 2022. What a <laughs> crazy, crazy year for professional wrestling in general. Not only the, the announcement of Vince McMahon retiring and Triple H taking over head of creative, Stephanie McMahon taking over control of the company. We had the whole um, media scrum incident with CM Punk and everything that just blew up in, in that. It's 2022 has been insane yeah. for pro wrestling fans. Uh, also been a big year for this podcast. And I wanted, before we get into the last segment, wanted to thank everyone who has rocked along with us throughout the years. So, you know, this we're coming up on two years since Jason joined the show and what was really the birth of what became the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Rob and I were doing our thing for a little while. Jason came on board and we formed this whole synergy between the three of us. And it's been an amazing ride for the last two years. About midway through the year from uh, we, I got a, a, a 
Twitter message from one Greg DeMarco, the guy who's in charge of the Chairshot Radio Network, has said, hey, I really dig what you guys are doing on the podcast. I'd like you to come join our network. was a huge boon for us. Uh, just one, flattering that somebody liked our stuff enough. Two, incredibly flattering that the guy invited us to join his network and, you know, hasn't kicked us off yet. Um, and, and by all accounts, I guess we're doing okay. Um, and, and, you know, we've gotten some some really good feedback. We've had, you know, just an, an awesome following of fans. You guys have made this work. Uh, so many people we could shout out at this point and, and, and just so many people to name the guest hosts we've had on here. The people who have contributed by just offering topics and things like that. Uh, Brooklyn Ike. Just it's, it's just been an incredible ride. And, you know, moving forward into the new year. You guys, the listeners, are what makes this work. And the last segment that I wanted to get into was our New Year's resolutions. And aside from the the, the usual New Year's resolutions, going to try to eat a little better, going to try to work out a little harder, get myself into a little better shape. I was going to start this segment off by saying one of my New Year's resolutions is to really dig my heels in on this podcast and try and promote it more. I've spent the last few months kind of going through my own little mental health crisis, and I've been doing the podcast with these guys, and getting on here with you guys has been just amazing for my mental health, but I haven't really promoted this thing as well as I probably could have, simply because I've just had lack of time between work and life and everything else. I'm really, in 2023, going to carve out time to really promote this thing, and because I think we deserve it. I think the three of us have built an awesome synergy. We have always maintained this is not a news podcast. If you're looking for breaking news and inside information, we are not the show to listen to. We are three fans who look at this from different perspectives. We we may have similar opinions, but we all take different roads to get there. You know, I had some time in the business, so I look at it through a different set of optics. Rob has been a long-term fan whose fandom kind of mirrors mine. But he looks at it through a slightly more objective set of optics than I do. And then Jason still looks at it with those fan eyes who sees this for what it really is. And to steal his thunder a little bit, this really is a show about grown-ass adults who settle their differences while fighting in their underpants. And, And when you walk up to that line and see it for what it is... When you look at it through Jason's eyes, that's the type of fan eyes we should be looking at it through. So we offer some really interesting perspectives here on what's going on in the pro wrestling world. And I I think we deserve to be heard by a larger audience. I'm going to do my part in trying to promote that more, promoting the YouTube channel more, become more active on social media. I I hate Twitter. I do. I hate (laughs) it for everything that it has been. I hate it for everything that's become since Elon Musk has taken over. Um, but it is still our easiest and our most available to us um, commodity for promoting this thing. So I will endeavor to try and be a little better at it this year and and try to, to, to promote this show a bit more because I think we deserve it. That is going to come from the help of you, the listeners. Please go to the share, thechairshot.com, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. If you like our show, look for us rate those things, share them with people, whether you like us, whether you don't. If you think we stink, say, hey, these guys stink, check them out, see how bad they stink. If you love us, please share that. Let's get it out there. Let's get this thing moving. I think the the Chairshot Radio Network offers a broad spectrum of different 
entertainment type podcasts that offer a bunch of different perspectives delivered in a very real not nonsensical way but we tend to look at it a little bit differently than a lot of places do i believe in that movement i believe in the chair shot radio network i believe in this podcast and and i believe that we should be reaching a, a larger audience than we do i'm going to pass this along to the rob the genius podcast host mr rob your news your new year's resolutions uh for 2023 sir um well one i mentioned before about uh you know Trying to lose some weight, get in better shape here. Uh, so I did make my first trip to the gym last week. And so one of my goals is just to establish some type of routine that works for me and stick to it and something realistic. And, you know, because a lot of times people get they, they get too crazy with the workout and they get too crazy with the diet stuff, you know, from at the beginning and they can never maintain it. So, I, I mean, I just, I want, I hope to establish something that I can maintain, you know, um, that's on a personal level. And I guess on another personal level, I, you know, I need to get back out into the world and be around people more. <laughs> um, uh, I need to do that. And that's another kind of goal for, you know, for 2023. Wow. Um, and as far as, you know, doing this here, um, what I hope to be able to do is to kind of, because, you know, I'm the numbers nerd person. And so I've been doing a lot of just ridiculous amounts of research into various numbers and things this year. And so what I want to be able to do is explain some of that stuff in a way that makes sense to anybody who's listening that doesn't bore you to death and it may help you just inform some of the things you're seeing on television because i can tell you just by looking at the stuff i've looked at this year it explains a lot of who gets put on how much time they get um who gets put in what spot on the show I mean, look, they don't just read traffic numbers and book that way. They don't just they don't just read, you know, T-shirt sales numbers and book that way either. But just there's a lot. If, if you're serious about looking at this stuff like I am and you're not one of these people that just says, oh, one point five on Monday fail. Ha ha. You know, if you're, if you're not one of those people and you're, you know, this can be very interesting and what I hope to be able to do in 2023 is to be able to use this and just explain it in ways that don't take the fun out of what you're watching, but can maybe better inform the way, you know, you know the why, the, the why, why and how certain things may happen on the TV show that you're watching. All right, Jason, New Year's resolution, sir. Uh, New Year's resolution is to, it's kind of like Rob's, is to get out there more in terms of being with people. Because, you know, my, like, my wife and I go out a lot, and we travel a lot, and we go places, and we do things. But, like, we really, since the pandemic ended, like, we really only do things with each other. Yeah. Um, we have lots of friends, and lots of friends who live nearby, and all of us are kind of still in that gun-shy, shut-in kind of mode, um, which is understandable after everything. But 
Uh, yeah, so that's it's uh, that's the goal is to get more out of that, uh, more more out there. Hey, let's go grab lunch. Hey, go let's go grab dinner. Hey, let's all meet up for this. You know, things like that. Yeah. So just yeah. more of that. time time to get out and start living again, pal. Yeah, you always want to be wary. You always want to be aware. But at the same yeah. time, we we can't shelter ourselves in place forever. Exactly. Yeah. So. All right, I think we can go home with all of that. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. I am your host, one of your hosts, DJ, going to go back around the room and, you know, just thank my co-hosts. Jason, sir, thank you. Thank you, guys, and thank you to the listeners, and Merry Christmas, Joyous Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, that all stuff. Happy New Year, since we won't hear you won't hear from us again until 2023. So, uh, yeah, uh, thank you, the listeners. And from the Rob the Genius podcast, Mr. Rob, another awesome show. Thank you. And uh, thank you. And look, thank you all of you who listen and who, who, you know, don't get mad at me when I go on my little, uh, you know, unhinged <laughs> rants sometimes about various things. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, this has been fun. And we, yeah we just this wouldn't be as fun without you guys who listen to us and i do want to give a shout out to brooklyn ike he's like our number one fan and brooklyn he, Ike he's, helped. he's literally our day one his age yes yep. and uh yes and brooklyn ike helped me score a ps5 this week so <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah buddy thank you and, and, and let me be clear when i say help me score a ps5 i do not mean like uh, the back truck. truck. No, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> way. Um, no. um, Ike was the lookout. And he, <laughs> no, um, but no, he um, he's been you know just occasionally shooting me links to when to when there's a restock coming, and so you know he, he did a couple of days ago, and I jumped on it, and I was able to finally get one. So awesome. Ike, uh, you're the best brother. I know Ike works like a madman, um, but we, we've had Ike on this show one time and that's a tragedy. We need to get him on here again. That is my goal for 2022. As soon as his work schedule allows going to get Brooklyn Ike back on here. He throws us, you know, once in a while, some show topics. And unfortunately we have been so stuffed over the last two to four episodes that I just have not been able to work in the stuff that he asked us about. Going to try and do that in the new year and uh, definitely going to try and get Ike back on here again, man. Hey, hopefully TK keeps his nose out of the bag for a few weeks and we, uh, we can, you know, get to some of the wonderful topics Ike said, sends out. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, want to thank you guys again for making 2022 an awesome year for the mindless wrestling podcast. Looking forward to bigger and better things in 2023 want to thank you all again. And remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out of here until next year. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.